grow yourself and grow your marriage. Christian Jana here with the Grow Yourself Growing Marriage Podcast. This is another Triggers Book Club episode. And today we jumped ahead to chapter 23 because we feel like this is one that most people can relate with. It's called Challenging Relationships with In-Laws and Lack of Family Support. Can we say juicy? This one's a little juicy. This might be one of the ones that we get some listens like, I mean, what have we, what have we got? Like infidelity, sex. Those have been the ones that have been like... Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to hear the drama, the juice, the Dude, tea. Everybody does. The juice. That's Regardless great. of the if it's tea. relevant or not, they they want to know the dirt. Right. Like they're like, do Chris and John have problems with their in-laws? Right. So that is what we're focused on today. And uh, first off, guys, I think I think this is something that's fairly relevant for people. And I think a lot of it stems from, at, at least for me, I'll be honest, a lot of it stems from expectations. So... Before I got married, I was like, okay, I would expect my in-laws to be a certain way. And I think to make it pretty clear, there are ways they've excelled as in-laws that I never imagined. And then there are ways that they come up short as in-laws that I didn't foresee either. Same. Same. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, think about it. When we think about our future, I think we all were quick to paint a happily ever after type future, which included a happy, healthy marriage and the kids and the house and the, you know, the loving relationship with grandparents on both sides that come and buy and babysit and do all the things. Right. No fights, no disagreements, no challenges. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's be real. You would assume you become, you become like God's gift to your in-laws because you finally got their daughter out of the house, right? True. You finally finally got her off of, off of the car insurance, off of the cell phone plan. That was a good day for my dad. Yeah. You would, you would certainly think your dad would be like, oh man, this guy's awesome. Actually, do you know, (laughs) little flashback to, we were planning our first date or not our first date. What? What? Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. Goodbye. Actually, a little flashback here to (laughs) always. Actually, I was listening to a podcast the other day and their kids came in interrupted and I was out walking by myself and I heard a little voice and it freaked me out because I was like, wait, I didn't bring any kids with me. I thought this was my alone time. I know. So sorry to anybody who's listening to this and trying not to hear kids. Um, Right. There's four of them we're watching on a monitor right now. So anyways, what I was flashing back to was uh, when Chris asked me to go to Disney World with him after our very first time hanging out. That's a whole other story. It's not as weird as it sounds. And my dad, I remember being like, because he knew Chris was like a a good Christian boy and all this. He's like, this might be a good investment. I'll help you out. And like gave me money (laughs) to go to Disney World with him. So, I mean, he did know that you were. I didn't know your dad funded that trip. Uh, he well, remember you came and you were helping me dig through the, like we were looking in my piggy bank. We were looking at couch cushions for some money. Just for quarters. Like we were so I'm stupid. not sure how I much don't think we, we thought Disney World. Was, Disney World would no, cost. I came back so broke. And I came back having made money. Yeah, that was ridiculous. That's just the business. I man think you me. bought me food. What can I say? At one time. Anyways, so yes, um, 
you might be wondering why this is even like what this has to do with triggers and parenting and stuff. So we are on to the internal triggers side, which is even more so focusing on us and the way we show up as parents and how that affects our kids. So I would venture to say that if you have strife in your marriage and in your home caused by issues that you, one of you or both of you are having with other relatives or lack of family support, um, then yes, this is going to cause a lot of issues that are going to trickle down into your children. Yes. And so our job today is to address that, really go for the jugular here and see if we can't help you guys out and ourselves. So first and foremost, regardless of the expectations you had of your in-laws or or any future thought of being married, the most important thing I think we can all agree on is healthy boundaries must be kept. Or first instituted. Because I think so many times, I mean, I feel like I bring it up all the time, but I'm in a lot of moms groups and you so often, especially, I mean, I don't know what you guys talk about in your dad's groups, but a lot of times in moms groups, we just don't respond to notifications. I see see women complaining about specifically their mother-in-law or sister-in-law or somebody and boundaries that aren't being kept and husbands that aren't standing up for them because they don't want to push back on their moms. I feel like that's a lot of time the common scenario when you talk to women who have trouble in their relationships with uh, the mother-in-laws. Yeah. And I think the hardest place to put boundaries is with the in-laws, whether they are- Or your own parents, actually. Or your own parents, because those are the people that raised you. And in the same respect, we also have to understand, let's put ourselves in their shoes. Let's say some guy or girl comes along and they- end up being the future spouse of one of our kids. I know you're starting to get nervous thinking about Ledger having having a wife here, right? But basically, we we have to understand that it's hard for us to let our kids go. Even though we talk about how important that is, it's hard for us to let our kids go. And it's hard for us to probably, I would assume, after, you know, however many years, almost 20 years, pretty much somewhat like way influencing decisions, controlling at some level, and then just turning around and saying, oh, okay, so I no longer have control over you. Well, I think we also have to remember that our parents also have expectations of who we will marry. And that probably causes a lot of issues, even if the spouse is not bad, if they have an expectation of the type of person you will end up with, and that person does not fit that, it's probably, you know, it probably makes it a little more difficult too. I'd say so. So whatever is going on within the in-law category in your life, fill in the blank here because Amber in this chapter does a really great job of breaking down four things that we need to consider when navigating these important relationships. So we're going to go through all four of these. They're really, really good. So number one. Number one, she says, as spouses, we must communicate, listen, and be united as a couple about the problem with our in-laws and choose to protect our marriages above all else. This one is so, so, so important. Obviously, it always comes about down to communication and listening. But here, that last part, we must protect our spouses and our marriage above all else. It's so easy for us to want to protect our families and not realize that that is absolutely, I mean, it's detrimental to your marriage when your spouse feels like you're choosing one or one over the other. And we've gone through this. Yes, we have gone through it. I would say that first off, I always tell people who are newly married, I always tell them, you know, 
don't feel bad if you don't feel like you're in a honeymoon stage because we were probably in the worst stage of our marriage in the first two to three years because we were still learning how to live with each other. And I, I was so close to my dad uh, and my brother that Jonna was the third priority, which is not good, but that is just- There's the, your T. It's just the way it was. <laughs> There's right? the T. The T. What do you mean? Like, you know, all the cool kids, they say, spill the tea. Spill the like, tea. Like, that's the tea. That's the gossip. Not, that's the I'm drama. Not, I've not heard that. The drama yet. is that I was number three for a long time, and it caused yes. a lot of drama in our marriage. Yes, it caused a ton of drama in our marriage. And so now I look at, I look at, look, what, what was I supposed to be doing? What does God say I'm supposed to be doing? And God instructs us to leave the home and the authority of our parents and cleave slash cling to the new relationship that we're building with our spouses. Yeah. And and so I feel like, well, I feel like that's hard to do for some. And I feel like somebody's thinking, yeah, but you know, my parents have always, I've always gone to my mom for advice. I've always, you know, they've never led me astray, that kind of thing. But, and you know, I think that was a place Chris was in is that's, he would go to his dad before he would go to me about things. And that hurt because I felt like I followed this verse of like, okay, because I'm very close to my family, and I was like, "Nope, Chris is my number one now." Um, well, but, I was, I was, I was, I was paying your bills, right? So, um, excuse I'm me, kidding. I was working full time then. No, wait, I have a point about that. Hold on. Maybe it'll come to you while I say this. I remember specifically, I was so adamant about getting advice from my family that I was so close to forever that you would give me advice and then I would like pretty much blow it off. And then me and you would always get in a fight because you would always make comments like, Oh, well, I bet if your dad said that mm-hmm. you would, you would then take that mm-hmm. advice. And that would always make me mad because it, you, you were frustrated, rightfully so you were frustrated because I wasn't letting you in as my wife and it was causing division between you and my, it was something extra that was causing yeah. division between you know, your in-laws, my parents. And yeah. You. Well, yeah. And it was building up resentment in me. So then I did the wrong thing. And if we ever fought, it was easy for me. I knew I could get a dig by saying something about your family. Guys, if any of you are listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is just how it went back then. So also then after we had kids, expectations were different again with how each of our families would be involved and what they would and wouldn't do. And that caused further problems because we hadn't healed that first problem of setting boundaries and understanding that we're both leaving our family or we're becoming one. And I specifically, when I read this number one, we're only one, sorry. When I read this one, I specifically remember a time that was really hard in our marriage after our second child was born. I was suffering from postpartum. Chris was working like what felt like 24 seven. I think I felt very much so like a single mom back then. We weren't having the support I thought we would have from your side my parents didn't live as close as they do now. And it just was this big recipe for already disaster. But then we had some disagreements, me and your family did. And I felt like Chris was, well, I didn't feel like Chris was taking his family side over mine. And we sat down with a pastor. So this is why I'm telling you this is the next step here. If you and your spouse can't do this yourselves is getting godly counsel. So we sat down with a pastor and he very much so looked Chris and I and said, you're not protecting your wife and you're not protecting your marriage. And this is something that's important. Whether the spouse is right or not, that's something you 
and your spouse have to get on the same Which, page. Let about. me be clear. It wasn't that I wasn't protecting you physically. Uh, we well, weren't, yeah. we weren't protecting our, our bond and well, yeah. marriage with each other you were siding- by me, not, right. not, well, it, it's important for us to stand in solidarity with one another, right? So, right? so Amber says that in the book. She says, if your spouse is not standing with you in solidarity over any particular issue, then the first matter of business is to work on your marriage. Absolutely. And obviously there's nuances because you, your spouse obviously can't be controlling for no good reason and have this stuff. Like I had a legitimate problem and we don't have to go into it all. I'll just say I was right, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, Chris was reading, so he's ignoring me. I didn't. I didn't hear what you said. I just dropped a little. I said I was right. Okay. I was right in the situation. Okay. I just. Anyways. Awkward. Well, because you no. started. You started reading. <laughs> right, You're so, supposed to pick up off of that. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, I think. What? Don't throw your hands up and get all ticked at me. All right. So one thing that I think is important when it comes to this, like like we said, is we have to come to a common ground to understand that us as a couple we have to be on the same page before anything our like our spouse i'm sorry our in-laws opinion of us or our parents opinion of us agreeing with them or or disagreeing with them it does not matter in the grand scheme of things all that matters is that we are spiritually yoked we are relationally yoked we we are on the same page because and mind you, all this stuff was pre-kids, right? No. Well. Nope. This was after we our had, second. We, okay. Remember? So, so we had finally had the first two girls. Okay. But the point is a lot of this stuff stemmed and started before kids, right? Because right? we and weren't then, protecting exactly, those boundaries. Exactly. So if you're in a position where you're like, oh, yeah, we're going to have kids. We're going to have more kids. And this is something that's happening. Kids won't solve your problem. It'll exacerbate your problem. Mm-hmm. I can promise you that. But. In the same regard, I think that there are some things where where we have to be willing to we we have to be willing to understand like some things are just dumb and they don't matter. So so we we really shouldn't be freaking out about really really stupid little things. The big things, the really important things that are going to matter in our marriage are things that we should be True. agreeing totally. on. Obviously, we're going to have different. You know, well, that's what I'm saying. If your wife opinions. says something complete, or your husband says something completely off the wall, and wants you to stand with them by it, based on like just that doesn't make sense, or maybe it's harmful to your children or to you and your parents' relationship. I mean, there's nuances, right? It, but you guys still have to get on the same page. That doesn't mean bow down just because that's what your spouse says. It means you better take it before God and take it to some godly counsel yes. and get on the same page. And I would say that that happening all of that that big that hard time that was like the hardest year of our marriage what was that like 2017 probably that though brought us closer once we did get through that that is one of the times that when we refer to having the uncomfortable conversations and being thankful for them those are the things that i think of because um if we would have never went through that if we would have never taken it to that pastor we would have just kept going through the motions and i assure you I was on my way to feeling like I just didn't even care if we were together anymore. Right. And so obviously <laughs> I'm, that's weird to say now, but yeah, it's important. It's, it's more important than I think sometimes we believe it is. Yeah, for sure. So number two here is we have to ask ourselves if we are part of the equation, right? And we, we have to ask ourselves if we are, um, so, let me put it this way. So 
Amber brings up Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. And I'm going to read it because it's super good. And you'll definitely understand where we're going with this. So hopefully we're not reacting like this. So Ephesians 4, 29 through 32 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Mm. You know, it's just almost like the Bible knows what it's talking about or something. It's almost <laughs> like it. It's almost like it knows that those things are to protect us and to protect our relationships. Yeah. So regardless of it's an Regardless of if it's an in-law or not, if it's if it's someone who is who is really really causing a lot of division or like you said strife or issues in our marriage, we're still called to be forgiving and and give them the same respect and honor that God calls us to. So I will say that was something I really struggled with because of I'm a very emotional person and I'm a feeler. And if I feel like somebody has hurt me or hurt the people I love, I I really hold on to it. And there was a time where um, one of the in-laws, there was this strife and I was doing the wrong thing. I was just wanting to push them away. I wanted to cut them out. I didn't want to talk about it anymore. I, and I thought I was doing the right thing, but it wasn't until, well, I realized that wasn't best for my family and I I feel like God really did a work on my heart to forgive and to see this person more um just more in the way that he sees them just in a loving way and a forgiving way and to stop letting my own cuz honestly and we're actually going to talk about this but it honestly just came down to my own pride because it, I realized it's not all about me <laughs> And I wanted to make Chris happy and make my kids happy. And so I guess I'm trying, I don't want to be like cryptic, but I also don't want to give any of our family stuff away. I just want you to know that if you're the person that's struggling and you're like, yeah, but this person has done X, Y, and Z. And, but Jonna, you don't understand. Like I can't even stand to be in the room with them or any of this stuff. Like just really try to lay your own pride aside and take it to God and, and see what he will do with it. Because yeah. I feel like I had a heart change. Now, it doesn't mean it's always yes. perfect or it's always easy. It's no. something I have to be in continuous prayer about. No, and the triggers are like the the triggers are a lot more sensitive too. Oh, they yes. happen a lot faster. Yeah. They happen a lot more frequently. It's very easy for the devil to get in your head and be like, oh, they really meant that. Yada, yada, yada. Oh, yeah, totally. And so, yes. And I would say at the end of the day, it is. Healthy boundaries are important, but I don't think healthy boundaries ever become complete cutoff. Mm, and, I disagree. Well, well, I don't think healthy boundaries ever become complete cutoff for this reason, right? So you could disagree, but I'll tell you why. So as 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 Christians, we are called to live differently, right? To to love God, to serve God, and to do what the Bible says, right? So let's say one part of the family is cut out of the family altogether because, you know, we feel like the value is not really brought. They're not necessarily, um, they're not necessarily jiving with the family, all that stuff. Right. Well, what are the chances of, and obviously it's a good chance that that side of the family is probably not 
you know, either saved or living the way that we would want them to live, right? Or, or God would want them to live. So what are the chances of them coming to the truth or finding salvation or anything like that if we are the example of Christians to them, but we're cutting them out of our lives, right? So I think it becomes a prayer where we're not thinking with our own brains and saying like, well, it makes sense to me, yada, yada, yada. And we pray and we seek God and we're like, God, you know, this family, I feel like I want to cut them out, but maybe, but instead we should seek you together and figure out like how you want them to be a part of our lives. You help us make that decision. I agree with what you're saying. I think though it, every situation's different in if there's a level of toxicity that's harmful or obviously if there's actual harm right. going on, um, then that's different. Hence boundaries. Right. Hence boundaries. Right. So let's say it's like the worst of the worst of the worst. And there is, and there is like actual, you know, danger or physical danger because you got like crazy uncle or crazy whatever, you know, like, okay, I see what you're saying, but I also think there's a level and people could disagree with me on this or not. This, this is my perspective and how I feel like I should, I should, present this, right? I think there's a level of saying like, what are the healthy boundaries? They might be really, really strict boundaries, but what are the healthy boundaries to keep these people at least at some level, whether it's super infrequent or not at some level to keep these people understanding, Hey, you're loved, like you're loved and we care about you. It's hard to be around you, but we're going to do our very best. Does it make sense? It does. I think I think we're definitely called I'm to going extreme witness and be different, be the light. Yes. But in, in that kind of an extreme situation, like my mind's going to a predator type family member because unfortunately right. there's lots of families who have sure. predator family members in them. Like you said, I feel like it's like always a random uncle or cousin or yeah. something. Um, and you can't put your children at risk at the expense of witnessing to that person, in my opinion. I'm not saying that I'm like, saying that's the kind of boundaries that have to be hard. Like, no, my kids aren't around that person. Right. But, but what I'm also saying is I think at some level there, and I think, no, to say, I think this is my perspective, not like biblical perspective or anything, but I think what makes sense to me is that we, you would, you would seek God and be like, God, like, obviously I shouldn't cut this person out of my life completely. They are a broken person. There's something going on with them and there might have to be super, super, super tight boundaries but at some level, whatever whatever comes of that, we have to be willing and ready to not think that we have the answer in our back pocket. Like, oh, yeah, hmm, doesn't make sense. And understand there could be a lot going on in where we're supposed to be used. Maybe. So basically you're saying you have to let God make those decisions for you. As a couple, I believe As a couple. the wisest thing would be well, to yeah. seek God. If, if you are in a position listening hey, we have one side of the family that's pretty much cut out of the equation here, right? First off, ask yourself, what are their intentions? They could just be annoying and you don't want to deal with them, which to that I say, suck it up, right? Um, it could be harmful, which again, there becomes a deeper conversation, but regardless, we have to also look at our spouse, right? So, so our spouse grew up with that family. Our spouse grew up with that mom and that dad and that sister and that brother or whoever, right? And so regardless of agreeing with them or not, it's well, really hurtful to they cut love them. out. Yeah, yeah, no matter how annoying they are, that's whole, their family. I'll never forget. So I'll give you guys some background on this. So my family, we're a family of entrepreneurs. We are not like 
We're not like super mushy gushy close by any stretch of the imagination. Um, we're not like a super, uh, yeah, like close knit emotional family. Like they can um, go a long time without seeing each right. other, not hug. And that's so weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so that's kind of my family, but I remember there was a time where, um, see John's family comes over all the time. And even, even when we were living further away from, they would still see her all the time and come over, um, which is, you know, good and bad depending on the balance. But basically I remember your family was over, uh, for like a holiday or something like that. My family, like we weren't getting together for the holidays and the whole house was filled of Sandlin's, your family. And I remember just stopping and thinking to myself, if you could take me back to being like 10 years old, sitting at the dining room table with my family and, and, and literally tell me that someday you'll spend most holidays away from your siblings, your mom, your dad, you know, cause my parents split up and everything that changed some things, but where like it would only be your wife's family and they'd virtually be cut out of your life. Like I would, I wouldn't have believed you. You know what I mean? So, me sad. so that stuff is really hard. And I think it's, it's a pressure point for me to encourage anyone listening who at any level, if you somewhat respect our opinion, even though it might be hard to swallow, understand that, like put yourself in your spouse's shoes. Mm-hmm. If you don't like their side of the family, put yourself in their shoes. You can't just cut their family all the way out. Yeah, of disclaimer. Life. I didn't cut Chris's family out. No, They're no, spread no, no. out in all over the country, California, right. an hour right. away. Two yes. hours away. Yes. Because it made it sound super, like super I busy, didn't right. let your family like, come over. My sister's an actress. She travels all over the globe. Yeah. And my brother, entrepreneur, sister's entrepreneur. So yeah, like everybody's all over the place. Yes. But the truth is, it is not easy to swallow that as the other spouse. I actually remember that. Someone we lived at Harper's. Mm-hmm. I remember you were like in such a weird mood and then you kind of just went upstairs and like, what's wrong with him? Yeah. <sighs> that does make me sad though. But also just just something to bring up for people listening who might have easily cut the family out and not realized it's not like they did it in spite, but right. not understood and saw the other side. Yeah, I think that's good. Good insight, babe. Good answer. Uh, okay, so number three, Amber says, never make decisions based Damn, on we're only on three. Sorry, <laughs> based on fears or because of peers. So basically, she talks about how this also implies to our in laws or other relatives. Um, and she's hinting at the fact that sometimes, especially moms, uh, maybe dads too, we over-discipline or we give in to requests that we aren't actually comfortable with when we are with extended family because we feel like we have to um, kind of conform to their expectations. I know that's a huge argument with a lot of parents and in-laws is what they're giving the kids and and kind of like as a parent, you're like, well, I know your parents have said before, like, well, I'm a grandparent. Like I want right. to, you know, why can't I treat them? And like mine lived down the street. So that's a whole nother thing. And it's hard because I know for me, when I'm around other family, especially your parents or my parents, I definitely am harder on our kids because I feel more of a pressure to make sure that they're behaving and, and making me look good. And that's what it comes down to. And basically what Amber's saying is that's not right. She said, we have to become very self-aware and confident in our own decisions. So we don't behave towards our children or in-laws as a result of fear or of peer pressure. Yeah. The peer pressure thing is a big deal. Uh, (laughs) A really big deal because again, you're looking for approval. Yeah. You're looking for the presentation side of things. You're like, Oh, well, well, like it's important for you to act a certain way. So my parents don't think ill of you right well because you know how you were raised and you know what they're going to be okay with or not okay with and you feel that pressure to uh 
conform, honestly. And the funny thing is, is times are different now. And like, I know I look at my mom, she had me and my sister, my parents had me and my sister were five years apart, much different than us and our four kids who are all within five years, you know? So, uh, it's hard though. And I think that, so Amber talks about, I think we've talked about this in other chapters too, but preparing yourself ahead of time, knowing what your responses are going to be and knowing what could possibly show up. You know, if you know that the house you're going to is full of sugary snacks and you don't want your kids having sugary snacks, maybe packing other things you want, maybe telling them ahead of time, Hey, I'm going to give you some snacks. You can keep at your house. We've actually done that before. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, sometimes they're like, I want to shop for my own stuff. Well, then that's fine. Here's a list of things that I'm okay with. And some people might be like, Oh, that's like super controlling or that's really annoying. But at the end of the day, they're your kids. (laughs) They're your kids and Mm -hmm. you know what's best for them. Our kids, I know that they don't function well when they have certain types of food. And that's hard when we're at other people's houses, relatives and stuff. And, you know, you got to look like the, the, I don't know, the Karens or whatever you want to call them. But I don't know. Being prepared going into those situations, um, I think is important. Yes. Being prepared. And also, I would say putting your foot down as a couple. Hear me when Mm -hmm, I say this. mm -hmm. Not not like I'm going to put my foot down in the moment and act all strong and say like, you're not going to do this or whatever. You're not going to disagree with me. But as a couple having the conversation beforehand, like, Hey, this is something that really bothers me. Mm-hmm. And instead of just telling you it really bothers me, I'm going to bring it up, right? Not publicly, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring it up and I need your support. Right. And I'm going to have that conversation with that person. Cause the truth is guys, most of the time, because intentions are typically pure, not always, but typically pure. Most of the time, people don't realize what they do. And so you have to bring it to their attention. Otherwise, they do not know. Well, Graham, I mean, it's a running joke. Grandmas always want to be the ones that feed you. Like, I don't know. It's not a grandma if they're not, like, trying to force feed you every time you come to the house. Even if you're like, are Grandma, you I just no, ate. No, no, I'm good. Are you sure? Yeah, I can I'm whip fine. you up some beef yeah, stew real I, fast. I can make this for you. <laughs> So I think that's a nature. It's a way that grandparents like to show their love. And this is just one example. I'm sure there's plenty of other things. Um, It's just one example that is a common fight that, yes, you need to be on the same page with your spouse. And if necessary, be willing to have an uncomfortable conversation, which I know is not fun. Trust me. I don't like having that kind of talk with my parents and feeling like, you know, I'm used to being obedient to them, not coming to them and saying, no, this is what I'm going to do, you know. And you can do it in love. It doesn't have to be like that. But yeah. And I think number four in this one, what I got of it really is just the the responses, understanding that like we, we really do have to show the best version of ourselves, the most godly version of ourselves to our spouse, because it's very easy for them to understand and see the history and hear about the fights and all this stuff and not love us the way that the way that they love their own kid, right? And so they already have a little bit, you know, their their triggers are sensitive too. Let's just put it that way. Well, yeah, they're going to use, most yes. parents are going to take their kid's side over the spouse. Every time, <laughs> so. Li- literally every time. <laughs> As a man who's been married, what, seven years now? Literally every time. Seven? Yeah. Seven. I think, yeah. Okay, so, so something Amber says is, she talks about when in-laws become emotional, manipulative, or, or, or threaten our boundaries that we're trying to set. We can respond in a similar fashion to them, or we can respond calmly and kindly say things like, Hey, you know, grandma, grandpa, I appreciate you want to spoil our kids with the sugary treats because you're loving grandparents, right? Meet, meet the intention that they're going for. But listen, my husband and I, or my, my wife and I know that their bodies can't handle it. And, 
and look, we can provide snacks for you. Like, like you said, you know, so, so, so we can, again, figure out how to respond to those things. Don't just say be proactive. they're not coming over here anymore. Cause I don't like the way you feed them. We're right. not even telling them what's going on. Right. And in the same respect, if you feel disrespected, you can't just expect that they're going to figure that out. And then when you blow up, it's, it's going to be a good thing. Would you say that it's appropriate to say whichever side the problem or the issue that needs addressed is, it's fair to expect the person, the spouse whose parents it is to be the one to bring it up? Like if I have a problem with something your family's doing, don't you think it's more appropriate for you to be the one to address it on my behalf or with me rather than say, okay, go take that up with my parent or whoever? Um, Does that make sense? I kind of. I, I kind of got jumped well, there. Well, again, again, well, like I was talking about earlier when you, uh, it's another thing just that I see in the mom's groups of, you know, my husband won't stick up for me. His mom's doing this. She's barging in. She's being disrespectful. She's, you know, disciplining our kids in ways that I don't agree with, whatever. And my husband's just like, whatever, like, I don't care. You can fix it. You can handle it. No, I know you what you're see saying. What I'm saying. I think it shows a lot of courage by going to and addressing the issue respectfully to the in-law. I think it shows a lot of courage. And I, th- and I think, I think it actually, like I personally would respect if one of our daughter or son's spouses came to me and was upset about something and they were like, Hey, this makes me feel a certain way. But because of what we just said, your parent is going to be on your side more than your spouses. But- I feel like you have to be on a team and maybe like, the dad, the husband goes to his mom on the wife's behalf or together addresses it together. Maybe sure. I mean, yeah. we can go back fine. to us. I did it on my own and it didn't work together. But fine. when you stepped in, it worked. So, okay. T- you know what I mean? Together's fine, I guess. Um, be- because you know how, how your, because uh, your parents, even responds. if the person, even if the person comes across respectful because the in-law doesn't love your spouse, the way that they love you, they can take the person, the the spouse's requests or conversation wrong. Be like, well, why didn't you come to me? Why weren't you a part of this? You know what I mean? You know your spouse's intent and you know your parents and how to handle them usually. So yeah. I don't know. I think that it's the responsibility of the spouse whose parents are the problem or whose cousin or sister or brother the problem to kind of step in and handle that well, personally. Regardless, you want to get clear on it. You want to at least make the move, whether it's you and your spouse together or just you or just your spouse or whatever. You got to do it, right? We, we have to have those uncomfortable conversations. We can't literally think that just talking behind their back, kind of like talks about in Ephesians, talking behind their back, you know, um, speaking ill of them. And, and let's address this too. There are plenty of passive spouses who just take that when the one spouse talks bad about their parents. And I think we all know, you know, we, we can be as mad as we want at our family. And when someone else messes with them, you're mm-hmm. like, wait, oh, oh, you know? And so I think there are a lot of passive people that might, let's just say, for instance, there's a husband who maybe the family is not as involved, right? And he sees the problems, but he doesn't want to speak ill of them. And then the wife is speaking ill of them. And he's just like taking it and being hammered by it and never says anything. But don't think for a second, that's not building some level of resentment where, then you're around the wife's family and everything's all good, right? And then you're in a situation where you're wondering why they're not able to connect as well and all that stuff. It's because you well, get frustrated. in that situation, then the husband needs to have an uncomfortable conversation with his wife. Yes. 
not yes. hold that stuff in exactly. and be resentful that, about it. That is what I'm saying. Right. It's it's important on on both ends. Whenever we're upset, man, I know, I know it's 2021 and everybody can get upset about everything. But when we're upset, like we have to be able to address it no matter what. Like it does not matter. You have control over going and fixing that problem or at least attempting to, right? And then you do what you can do. That's it. You on do the same you page do. with your spouse. Yes. 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 As long as you're all on the same page, I think it's super important. So I think some questions, if you're in a place, and I know we've, I feel like this is probably like drinking out of fire hose because we're trying to fit it all Somewhat. in here because this is a tough topic that yes. could honestly span multiple episodes. Um, again, remember the whole intent here is fixing our own triggers so we can show up as better spouses and better parents and just better godly humans, which is... well. I feel like the goal of this initially was to show you like, hey, your problems aren't unique. Yeah. It's fine. Yes. We all we all feel this right. way. So I think here's some questions Chris and I would say. If you're in a place where you're struggling with a relative, an in-law, maybe even your spouse. Um, and honestly, we didn't really touch we didn't really touch on lack of family support besides expectations. If you don't have family support and they are around, that's definitely an important conversation to have. But um, so Lindley, we're finishing the episode. We're almost done. No. no. So important questions to ask. First of all, what are the intents? Lindley, you're not getting a snack. Uh, no. Thank you for saying please. But the answer is no. We will address it when we get out. We need to set boundaries and ledgers waking up. So yes. Okay. Hurry. Lily, you gotta go. We're, we're finishing the episode right now. Go get her out of here. So, some questions that Chris and I would ask are: Can you think about what the intent is behind? What are the intentions of the relative? Is the grandparent that's wanting to give your kids sugary snacks? Are they wanting to do that to spite you? And somebody, I think, might say, <laughs> somebody might say yes. But are they really doing it to spite you? Or are they doing it because they want? to love on their grandkid and they think, you know, I'll just make them love me more because who doesn't like, you know, what kid doesn't want a treat, a sugary right. treat. Sure. Um, so thinking about their intention, I think, and change the way that you look at them. Yeah. And then understand, are you on the same page on that? Because you could have someone who doesn't agree with that. And then you the and your one, spouse. Yeah. And then the other spouse is fine with it. And so you have to have that conversation. And not just that subject, but in general, are you and your spouse on the same page with whatever issues you're having with the relatives? Which leads you into, are you setting healthy boundaries? And I would venture to say you need to be on the same page before you can set healthy boundaries that you both agree on. Yes. And then I think that it is very important that we have the uncomfortable conversations. Well, ask yourself before you try to say, throw up your hands, have you had the conversation with your spouse and then with the and, relative? And even if you have and you're like, yeah, I have, but it, it didn't work. Maybe change, change the delivery, change the method. Ooh, I want to throw another one in there because this convicted me when somebody asked me one time, are you praying for that person? Are you praying for that person? Because it's really easy for us to... <laughs> just blame it on them and be mad at them and all they do. But are you actually taking time to pray for them and pray for your heart towards them? That's really good. Cause that convicted me. I remember one of our family members saying that I was like, Oh no, I'm not. I'm just complaining about them. Mm-hmm. So mm, it's mm. good. Good. Solid. Well, that was a, that was a little longer than a normal triggers episode. That could have been like multiple episodes. It could have been, it could have been, but 
fact of the matter is this, like Jonna said, like this book says, like we're supposed to be is we can only control how we react to those triggers. We can also control through understanding people's intentions, how sensitive those triggers are. And I think, you know, to wrap it up perfectly, like you said, is the only way for our hearts to truly be changed to those people is if we are lifting them up in prayer and, uh, and praying about our hearts towards them. Which is hard. It's super hard. It's always an easy. It's always simple, but not easy. And the prayer can honestly be, God, I don't want to pray for this person, but help here me. I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we've prayed so many times. Like, help me want to do yeah. this, or help me to help, want to help do me this. Help me want to want to. Yeah. Yeah. He honors it, and then it's weird. And then all of a sudden, you look back and like, whoa, how did yeah. I get here? So that's it. Yes. That's it. And to be clear, we have um, things have gotten exponentially better on in-law in-law sides for both of us yeah well because we we did those steps we we've communicated we've communicated we took it before godly counsel we now put god first in our marriage so yes and the in-laws see that we're that it's unbreakable that unbreakable i mean seriously the in-laws now see that okay like (laughs) regardless they're, they're not going to go against each other. They're a pretty strong team here. We're yeah. not going to be able to pit them against one another. Which, not that that would be their intent, but again, right. one might think, well, this is my kid or this is my sister or my brother, and like yeah. we've known each other way longer kind of thing. Right. Like, so, I don't know. Cool. Good. Go team. Pretty decent. Pretty, pretty decent. Pretty good. Thanks so much for listening to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. If this episode brought you value, like I am sure it did, because this is such a common issue in marriages, please go ahead and share it with another couple. And don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcast. And you can still text us, text us 513-620-4333. Send us a note, a review, a question, a suggestion, whatever you got for us. Um, go ahead and shoot it over. No, I don't want to say that. Shoot it over. <laughs> Go ahead and text us. No, nope, I don't want to say that. 513 Thanks, guys.